Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Smell Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boateng. A happy New Year's to all of you, and here's hoping 2021 is better than 2020. This week, please join me in listening to an episode with Luke Pierce, aka The Tasteless Foodie on Instagram. Luke shares his story about living with a juicia with all of us. A juicia is defined as the loss of taste functions of the tongue, particularly the inability to detect sweetness, sourness, bitterness, saltiness, or umami. It is sometimes confused with anosmia, but it's not the same thing. He's currently living in Scotland, and in addition to being the person behind the Tasteless Foodie account, he's also one half of the Greeklish Foodie account on Instagram, which we'll talk about in the interview. Our interview was recorded in December 2020. Let's listen to the interview. So hi, Luke. Welcome to the Smell Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. And yourself? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. To get started, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, Where are you from and where do you currently live? Uh, Well, my name's Luke. I originally come from a small town or, well, city called Portsmouth. Uh, That's in the far south of the UK. But I now currently live in the west coast of Scotland, not too far away from Glasgow. Awesome. Sounds like a nice place to live, uh, grow up in. I was actually born in the UK, but I never spent any real time there. I was an Air Force um, baby. (laughs) Uh, Okay. I I have an idea where you would have been then. Yeah, Lake and Heath Air Force Base. Mm. Interesting. Okay, so yeah, um, I was really excited to find you on social media, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But to kind of get started with your background, what is your basically your smell disorder, or if not a smell disorder, your taste disorder story. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. um, Okay. So mine's actually a taste disorder. I can't actually taste anything, um, although I can smell. So I've got the lesser of two evils. It started about three years ago where I got hit in the side of the head by an underinflated soccer ball. Long story short, it perforated an eardrum explosively and dislocated one of my inner ear bones and it required surgical intervention twice because I was left with uh, dizziness and all sorts and it, it meant that they had to go in, fix fix the hole in my eardrum and everything else from there. Um, what it actually had happened as well is that the nerves that run right at the top of the eardrum had been snagged during the surgery and... From the first surgery, all I was left was with a taste of salt. So I was chucking salt on into everything because it was the only thing I could taste. And then Mm. the second surgical intervention uh, to try and fix my balance, I ended up losing my taste completely. So since about two years ago, I've had no taste at all. So it's been a a bit of a shock, but um, sort of like two years later, I'm used to it now. Um, My wife is used to it. But the first six months were absolute hell. Just to, to put it bluntly, I, I was very grumpy, losing weight, wasn't eating. I just had a complete disinterest in food. Well, yeah, I can imagine. Like, what's the point, you know, if you can't oh, yeah, taste it? Yeah. Um, it, it? It was even worse because I could smell it. So, like, one of the big things over here is like a bacon roll. So mm. I could smell the bacon roll. It's like, oh, yeah, this is fantastic. But then when you eat it, nah, nothing. <laughs> so... Yeah, and I've I've actually been um, running the Smell Podcast for a little bit over two years, and I do like to focus on all things smell and taste, 
But typically what that means for the guests that I interview is that because they've lost their sense of smell, they have a reduced sense of flavor. But I was so excited to find you on Instagram because you have your sense of smell and you don't have your sense of taste, which is extremely unique. Yeah, it's very rare from what I understand as well, because usually if your taste has gone, your sense of smell has gone. Um, so I'm quite unique in that, but I've always loved food anyway. So um, I, I was glad to at least keep something. Yeah. So I, I think it's called a juicia or a goosia. Do you know how to say it? Uh, yeah, it's a juicia. A juicia. Okay. Yeah. So how do you think having this disorder impacts your relationship with food and eating i mean you just told me a little bit about a bacon roll and that sounds delicious but how do you think it's changed you in the last few years to be honest it it really significantly changed my relationship with food um before really losing my sense of taste i was a particularly fussy eater so one of the positive things that actually came out is that i could not stand eating fish the, the best I could really get was um, eating fish fingers. And even then, that was kind of a push because I'm, I wasn't really a fan of how it tasted. Um, and growing up in the seaside city is a bit ironic that I don't like fish. But since losing my taste, I'm actually OK with eating it because I can't I can't taste the sea. So and it's kind of like losing that saltiness, losing that bitterness and in some seafoods, it, it's got almost slimy taste to things. Um, and I can't taste that anymore now. So it's actually a lot more pleasant than I would, it would be. So I'm eating a lot more fish. So I'm actually being a lot more healthy. But it also means that I have to think more about, or rather we, my wife and myself, um, we think a bit more about how we actually eat food now. Uh, because if she's enjoying something it might not mean that I'm necessarily enjoying it. So we have to look for things like textures. Um, one of the things that's running quite a lot in the UK is like the food at home. Mm-hmm. And a lot of restaurants are running these things. And there's one that we received the other day uh, from Gothia, which is a vegan restaurant. And I've never had anything quite like it. It's, it's got lots of different textures. It's got lots of different smells. It's got lots of it's got lots of different things that actually makes it quite a pleasurable thing to eat. And again, that's not the something we would necessarily have done um, if I hadn't lost my taste or we found out about it by accident. But again, it, it does change the relationship with food quite a lot if you can't taste things. Um, a lot of things is just basically textures. And one of the things that we did find was that there wasn't really any resource there if you have no taste. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was that kind of actually what was kickstarted the um, Instagram account uh, to stop it also taking over the the main account that my wife runs, the Greeklish Foodie. Yeah, and so that actually leads me into that question for you. That's how I found you online. Um, you are one half of the Instagram page, the Greeklish Foodie, and then you also have your own Instagram page, which you just alluded to, the Tasteless Foodie. So let's start off by um, talking a little bit about your role as being one half of the Instagram page, The Greeklish Foodie. So what is that page about and how did it come about? Uh, Basically, it was born from a love of food. So it's sort of like it's sort of like, in a sense, uh, keeping like a memory bank of things, but also showing where we've been. Uh, So like going to 
a restaurant one week or go into somewhere that's got something an Instagram page to say this is what we're offering and we found it much better than using Facebook because you can actually interact better with the restaurants but also lots of people who would go there would take their pictures tag the restaurant and you'd actually see what it looked like without the professional photographs But also, if we wanted to travel anywhere, it was also a really good way to actually find places to go on the way to any particular destination. So when we lived right down south, we could check Instagram and see what there was and then basically take pictures of the food, blog about it, say what we liked. Uh, One of the big areas that we had a bit of an issue with was um, just trying to find places to eat and then sort of like, it's just basically how to find food, what we ate, and just display it, basically. And that's where that came from. But we also um, did lots of cooking from my uh, wife's homeland of Greece, which is where the Greek Greeklish comes in, she being Greek, me being English. Mm-hmm. And and it was sort of like showing how you can make Greek-style food using UK in- ingredients. So it is also helping to sort of like have a home away from home, so to speak, as well. Yeah, I love the pictures and things that you guys post on there. They just look phenomenal all the time. <laughs> it looks like you eat well. Yeah. 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 I could say that. <laughs> but so, yeah, my wife's an extremely good cook. Yeah. No, I could tell. I'll make sure I include the links to both pages on the interview notes so everyone can go and find the pages if they don't already follow you. So, um, about how long has the Greek Lush Foodie page existed? Did that happen prior to your accident? Yes, it did. About five, six years now off the top of my head. It might be longer than that, but definitely six, definitely, yeah, definitely six years. Okay. And so then that kind of leads into the next question, which you talked about a little bit, but you have since started your own Instagram page, The yes. Tasteless Foodie. So can you tell us a little bit more about that and then also your work as a blogger? Yeah, of course. Um, so that came about because I realized that my issue with the Adjusia was compl- starting to take over the page completely. So it would be, we'd go to one place, find it was great, reviewed it, talked about lots of the textures and things like that and how, how it was for me. And it was taking away a lot of what was that the Greek Lish foodie was about. So I decided I'll start my own Instagram as the tasteless foodie. So I could actually post what I thought about things sort of like pre-lockdown how I would review something as well Um, and I would often always caveat with it that I may not have liked a particular restaurant but it's because I couldn't get any enjoyment from the food because of texture not necessarily because of taste and Mm -hmm. I thought that was something that was really important for me because if I just sort of like go in just try it not not really enjoy it somebody else might because they can taste it but and normally if I could smell it and it was usually phenomenal, but it's just, I'm just sitting there eating. I'm just thinking, I'm really not enjoying this. And and eating food would actually be quite hard work. So And, and that's what a, where some of the enjoyment would go. Because my jaws are locking up because it's just like, I'm just eating it because I have to eat this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then lockdown kind of changed things a bit. Uh, when it became realised that losing the sense of smell, losing the sense of taste could actually be an indicator of actually catching COVID. Mm-hmm. It, it sort of made me realise, well, I've already experienced this for the past year and a half at that point anyway. And because of the experience and what I've learned 
having no taste it it's just basically sort of like giving me a platform to sort of like say okay this is how i can help educate people and how to actually help them enjoy food again so if even if they don't get any taste back they don't necessarily get any sense of smell back they could still enjoy food without having to worry their fat friends family um it's just sort of like give them a sense of normality uh, which i think is actually quite an important thing to do and that's where the whole blog inside things comes along as things have actually progressed what i have realized is that the use of the user instagram may necessarily not be the correct platform for what i'm doing and so i'm sort of like looking at the idea of actually having a blog um writing a few things because i'm actually getting people messaging me on instagram who have actually lost their sense of smell and taste and and it's been absolutely heartbreaking because uh they're complaining that they might actually just have to stop cooking completely that uh, because they can't trust themselves because of losing, uh, basically not being able to smell a fire, or they've been sort of like the centre of the chef and they don't know how to basically do all their measurements. Whereas they used to just be able to taste and say, "Yeah, that's fine." Right. And, but it's it's just sort of like it's it it's sort of like a work in progress at the moment. But there will be a blog at some point. I just don't know when yet. Uh, trying to actually say. This is how you can cook. This is how you can experience food. Uh, because I'm not the world's best cook, but I, I can say, right, just chuck a few breadcrumbs in. Bang, here you go. Chuck that on your burger. Here's a little bit of extra crunch for you when you're uh, eating your burger, for example. Well, if you have anything to do with the food that comes out on either of those pages, I think you're a better cook than you're giving yourself credit for. <laughs> I know. But my wife cooks pretty much most of the time. Um, I'm really... Uh, a sous chef so I'm basically cleaning as she goes gotcha well I will I will look forward very much to reading and sharing information about your blog when it's ready to go so we'll have to keep in touch after the interview so I can update everyone about that yeah definitely that would be a good thing so a question that is just popping up for me that I didn't prepare ahead of time is just have you met anyone else like you so anyone else who has only lost their sense of taste but still has a sense of smell basically no no, uh, um, it, it feels like I'm the only one. Um, but um, my workplace are aware of my condition, um, but and, and they sort of like make allowances for me when I when I actually eat there. But no, it's 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 very very rare for it to happen to ju- just to the sense of taste and not the smell. Um, my smell is a little reduced, but. I, I can still smell what's going on, so I can still smell a fire, I can still smell if I'm burning bacon, anything like that. That's helpful in terms of safety, but like you mentioned yeah. at the beginning, that's got to be so frustrating when you make something so phenomenal that you want to eat and then it's yeah. just tasteless. Yeah, it's it's like a blank slate. It's really difficult to explain. The best way i found to sort of like, if anyone actually wants to try and experience uh, having no sense of taste is to eat an ice cube before you eat. Uh, mm-hmm. literally so you numb your tongue and, and then when you try and eat after that it's sort of like okay things might be a little bit hot but it it gives you a sense of how it is not to be able to taste anything because you can't pick anything up very well it's sort of like it deadens your tongue a little bit right and from personal experience I have um, acquired anosmia so for me I have a very reduced sense of taste but I still have the ability to perceive like the five basic tastes 
Um, So I'm just trying to imagine what it would be like to completely have no sense of taste in addition to no smell or even in your very unique situation where you do have smell. So it's really cool to talk to you. Yeah, no, that's cool. So another question that kind of comes up from what you mentioned is that you talked about at your workplace, like they're aware of it and they'll make allowances for you as needed. So when your taste comes up in daily life, like when this experience that you're going through comes up in daily life, do you take the time to explain to people about your situation? Yeah, it depends. It depends where I am. So with work, uh, I'm I'm in the Navy, which is why I'm up in Scotland. But that they sort of like have this mass canteen bar, and you basically say what it is that you actually have an issue with. So if you've got like an allergy or anything like that, you tell them. And I told them one day, and I just said, "Look, I can't taste anything. So is there anything that you can do, like maybe cook something for a little bit longer, like?" the fries just to make them a little bit extra crispier just so I've got something because otherwise everything's very one dimensional um I'm sure if anyone listening to this is um in the military they know very well that generally military food is pretty bland and pretty tasteless anyway so <laughs> it's, it's it's nothing really unusual but if if you're if you approach them and just say look can you just cook this a little bit longer for me they're more than happy to do that because it's sort of like it just gives them a little bit extra to to sort of like show a little bit of flair. Some of them will chuck in like uh, curry powder, curry peppers, things like that, because basically it's one dimensional cooking for them. So anything different is generally quite nice. Uh, But when it's coming to outside where I work, I generally do try and take the time if it comes up. Uh, The first few times it was horribly awkward because of, when when you do uh, when when you go into a restaurant and you're talking to people and uh, then a waiter comes along and says how is everything? Mm, I, will all, I love I'll, that I'll question. See, and it's literally mm, yeah um, yeah and, and because of the hesitancy it's like is something wrong? It's like well I can't taste any anything and then that that leads to oh. sort of like a ten twenty minute conversation with the waiter about how I can't actually taste anything. I've developed the habit now of sort of like having pretending my mouth's full nodding just to sort of like not have to engage too much right but yeah great lovely <laughs> it, it works really well but if it's places where I go to quite often uh two I would probably shout out it's the grill by Highland Wagyu near Perth and Broken Clock Cafe in Gal- Glasgow um they're aware of my condition so they know that I can't taste anything. And um, especially Anna at Broken Clock, she's she makes lots of pastries and everything else like that. And it's like the really fine French patisseries. Mm-hmm. So she, she so whenever she comes up with anything new, we look, we sometimes get uh, something new when it's there or if it hasn't sold out or she's been really kind enough to put one by for us. And then she'll grill me about how it is. I'd, I'd literally really grill me. It's like, how's the texture? How's the cake in this? Um, how's the cream? Is there too much? Is there too little? And it's kind of like, it's nice to actually be able to give that sort of feedback because it just helps bring things up a little bit potentially. But she's a fantastic person in it as well, as well as um, her other half Artem. And they're always sort of like grilling me about how how things are. It's just, but it. In, in that sense, I don't mind because we've actually sort of like become quite friendly with them and they and they know I'm not actually joking when I've got no sense of taste of uh, in the grill, for example, 
they were quite interested in how it actually works. And Chris, um, who's the sommelier, sort of like fixed together a drink to, to, to see how bad it actually was. Mm. And it was this really, well, it was fine for me, but it was this really strong lemon drink. And it's literally like it's the con- it's literally just squeezed from the lemon. Um, I think there was about three, four of them in there. A um, little bit of soda water and I had some and I found it fantastic because it was really cleansing my palate. So I loved it. And then my wife tried it. Um, she pulled a face to say, oh, my God, what's this? And he right. tried it as well. And it was just like, how the hell can you drink that? And so well, I told you, I've got no taste. Right. So he would then get he would bring sort of like, OK, let's see what else you can do. So he got me. Uh, he brought some wine. And that was actually quite interesting as well, because you find that things try to make up for the fact that you can't taste something. So when I was having like a slightly sparkling wine, I could feel all the bubbles on my tongue. And, and it's just like, oh, well, OK. And Crystal, this is potentially um, something that I could taste. And I said, no, there's bubbles on it. It's really, really faint, but there's bubbles. So I was quite excited. Mm-hmm. And, and then he tried it and he said, I'd never realised the bubbles before. Because it's so faint, but I could feel them. And it's, it's just something that he could he could also introduce when he's selected wines and recommended wines for people. So, and he started doing that with me a little bit as well. So it was, it was nice to actually be able to sort of like be able to feedback and actually give like a different dimension to things. So, and it was nice to be able to do it. Well, yeah, what a lovely experience to have people who see you in, in your condition. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're not dismissing your story. They're understanding what you're saying they're not disbelieving you and they just are like, okay. And then they see you. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, I mean, even another restaurant we use, uh, Nuku Nuku uh, in Glasgow, she knows again, uh, the extent of the fact that I can't taste anything. So her husband, when he's making uh, the sushi things, chucks in lots of spices and things like that, just to give me something extra. Mm-hmm. And again, that's really, really cool. That's, that's that people actually go to that extent to try and help. Whereas previously, it was just sort of like, well, I can't taste anything, so why should I bother? But it's sort of like people people like them make you realise there are really good people out there who will help you as much as you can, especially when you can't experience things in the same way. Exactly. So I'm, I'm wondering, um, it sounds like you still have the ability for like the, the bubbles, the carbonation, and then maybe like trigeminal yeah. nerve reaction with spices and things. Yeah, it's it's sort of like it's not a taste, it's just how it feels. Yeah, exactly. I know what you're talking, I know what you mean. Yeah, I've had that where you can't really, I couldn't tell you exactly what the hot sauce tastes like, but I can tell you that it's hot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm actually, I I do it with the wasabi challenge as well. It's I know it's not really done so much now, but I could just pop, when you get something in like a Japanese restaurant, you've got that little side of wasabi, I can just pop that into my mouth now, not react but I only get it coming back up when I actually am stupid enough to swallow it. Yeah. <laughs> Wasabi sounds dangerous. It can um, be, yeah. So my next question is the one that I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, and there's no right or wrong answer. I'm just interested in your thought process. Do you self-identify as having a disability? I will say yes and no. Yes, I recognise that it is. it, it actually disables um, a lot of elements in my everyday life so sort of like I, I have to rely on my wife telling me sometimes if I need to brush my teeth again for example, uh, because I can't taste it <laughs> um, mm-hmm. 
or if we're in a if if we're anywhere really and it's just sort of like what I, again being asked for food um and how it is it's just again I, I i can't answer that so in that sense yeah i do consider my, myself disabled in that sense but in the normal day-to-day life no it, it it's not stopping me from doing pretty much most things it's just that it it's it's kind of like um i don't know how to phrase this really yeah, so it doesn't stop me from doing the day-to-day and doing my regular thing. So it doesn't stop me doing that. And that that's one of the reasons why I don't consider it completely complete disablement. It's that there's an element of me that can't experience the world in the same way as um, somebody standing next to me might, might be able to. But I, I'm not stopped from doing anything physical or anything like that. So it's a yes and no, depending on the situation. Gotcha. Good, good response. So what would you like people who don't have a Juicia to know about what it's like having it? Like, what's the one thing you just want them to know? Um, it's it's very difficult to put it into words, but it is one of the most frustrating things that you could probably experience besides losing a sense of smell. Doing the little thing that I suggested earlier, um, having an ice cube, swill it around in the mouth and then try and eat gives you a sense of what it is like to actually have no sense of taste. But they then have to think about that being 24-7 instead of for a, a minute or two. And that's probably the best way to illustrate how it is to have um, no sense of taste. But generally, it's just just try to be patient. Um, if if you're working in, in the hospitality industry, uh, again, just try not to ask how the food is. Because <laughs> so, I just don't, it's not the question I really like answering the best of all. Right. You can defer to your wife in those situations, but it's yeah, still frustrating. Or, yeah. Or I'll just pretend I'm eating and just nod my head. <laughs> oh, I've, I've just like straight up lied to people before because it's easier than getting into it. Yeah. But it's, I find it really difficult to actually say, say, oh, yeah, it was fantastic. Really loved it. And then the next right. question is always, oh, so how was it? How did it taste? What was really mm. good about it? Yeah. If I've just got my mouth full and I'm just nodding my head, they just leave me alone. Yeah, <laughs> smart move. <laughs> it works. Um, so next, I think I have an idea of what you'll say, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. If you could have a sense of taste again, would you want one? I will say yes, because there are foods that I do miss. But at the same time, because I am eating healthier now, um, I'm eating a lot less rubbish uh, or trash. It's, it's been both a blessing and a curse. Curse, it's a curse that I can't taste anything, but at the same time, it's a blessing because I've actually opened up on what I actually eat. So it's it's good in that sense. But at the same time, being able to help people as well, um, sort of like understand the condition a bit, for, uh, especially with those who are suffer- suffering from COVID and having no sense of taste or smell, is that you don't necessarily have to worry so much about not being able to taste or necessarily being able to smell. Uh, there are ways around things so you can experience and enjoy things along with people who do still have a sense of taste and have a sense of smell it just means that you have to experience things differently so I'll say yeah there are things that I miss but at the same time no I, it, it's, it's actually been beneficial for in a sense to not be able to taste yeah it's nuanced yeah do you have anything else that you'd like to share Nothing that I can really think of. Just be patient with people who can't 
smell and can't taste anything. It's it's just that we have to be a little bit more nuanced and a little bit more considerate as to how we answer questions. Mm-hmm. And then my last question for you is how can listeners find you on both of your Instagrams? Okay, so the main account is Greeklish Foodies. Uh, you'll know if you find it because it's usually a picture of, I think it's me and my wife. I really should check that. Uh, <laughs> I, I was I was looking at it this morning and I completely forgot what the uh, the logo is, but it, it will have a little blurb about uh, her being Greek, me being English, um, and that we love to eat. Uh, and in there, you'll see lots of different recipes, what she's been cooking cooking up lately um i think at the time of this one she has done the christmas pasta mm-hmm. no christmas mac and cheese that was it uh where she's chucked some sort of like christmas spices into uh regular mac and cheese and it's uh yeah that was actually really nice i enjoyed that so that that's um that's how you kind of know that you'll be on the right page because of the uh, christmas mac and cheese and for me uh, it's the tasteless foodie uh, which is all one word um originally my wife suggested um living without taste but when i typed that out it was a really really long and looked really awkward and then the tasteless food was just like yeah it's it, 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 it works i can't taste anything my sense of style was absolutely dreadful so it works in that sense as well <laughs> uh, and generally you can tell if it, i've been taking pictures because it looks like it's been done on a potato or something because i keep cracking all the camera screens and everything so i'm quite clumsy in that regard um i don't really post a huge amount at the moment because obviously lots of hospitality and workers really need all the help that they can get so i'm sort of like hanging back from what i actually do say on that because it could be seen as unsupportive and lots of people are trying to support hospitality at the moment um so you'll just see the occasional post from me saying this is what's been made. Um, I visited here, and this is what this is what's been really good. Um, yeah, and that's that's generally where you'll find us on social media. Um, there is sort of like a Facebook page for both the Greeklish Foodie. Um, there is one for the Tasteless Foodie, but I haven't put anything on that because I'm an absolute moron when it comes to actually social using social media at all (laughs) so well i'll uh, make sure that uh, i add links to all of the instagrams and the facebook pages oh certainly the uh the the greeklish foodie one um yeah definitely the tasteless foodie definitely not because i don't know what i'm doing with that um i'll get around to it eventually but i think there will be a blog because i think that's really the forum that that would suit this kind of thing bit better than uh, trying to do it on instagram because me me and social media no nah, it doesn't really work yeah well i just want to say thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story um like i said at the beginning i've done this podcast for over two years and you're the first person i've met who has no sense of taste but has a sense of smell so i was very excited to share your story with everyone and just kind of raise some more awareness about what it's like to have um life with a juicia yeah, it was, it's, it, it was wonderful to actually share the story and to try and actually explain how things are. Um, hopefully I've done that, but uh, we'll see from the reactions, I guess. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. Thank you. A big thank you to Luke for coming on the podcast and sharing his Adjusia story with all of us. 
It's definitely phenomenal to get to speak to someone with such a rare condition. Make sure that you check out both of the Instagram accounts that he talks about. The links will be posted in the episode notes. And also, keep an eye out for his future blog posts about living with Ajusia. I'd like to share some additional updates with all of you this week. The first one I've mentioned before, but I'm excited to announce that STANA, or the Smell and Taste Association of North America, is being formed. Currently, there are no active patient organizations which are focused on smell and taste disorders in the U.S. So the aim of STANA is to become this much-needed resource for all of us. The mission is to provide a voice for people with smell and taste disorders through education and public awareness. We advocate for funding for research on smell and taste disorders, and we collaborate with individuals living with these disorders, healthcare professionals, and institutions to provide evidence-based education, resources, and networking opportunities. We also partner with organizations around the world who are aligned with our vision to broaden our outreach. STANA's website is online at www.thestana.org, and the fundraising website through GoFundMe is available there. The main thing that we need help with right now is raising funds to pay for the startup costs of becoming an established 501c3. A huge thank you to all of you who have already donated to help us get started. It is so, so appreciated. If you are currently unable to donate, if you would please consider sharing the fundraising page instead with your social networks so that we can get to the funds needed, that would be fantastic. If you have any questions, or if you'd like to get involved, please visit the website. Again, it's www.thestana.org, and you can sign up for our mailing list or email us directly at info So my next reminder is about friend of the podcast, Frauke Gallia, who's the founder of Falk Aromatherapy's upcoming smell training program. Frauke's program provides daily guidance, a tracking journal, weekly check-ins, and a Facebook support group to get you connected with others who are also participating in the same program. I went through this myself in September of last year. So one of the major goals of the podcast has always been to let those of us who have a smell disorder know that we're not alone, and I really do believe that her program embodies this sentiment really well. The next program actually begins shortly on January 11th of this year, so if you're interested in learning more and signing yourself up, you can visit her website, which I'll include in the show notes. It was truly a fantastic experience for myself to help me stay on track with smell training, which is something that I've publicly mentioned that I struggle with. Please definitely check it out. Okay, so back to wrapping up our normal podcasting business. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can email me at thesmellpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on social media at The Smell Podcast and visit the website online at thesmellpodcast.com. I'm always interested in sharing listener stories. If you listen using iTunes, please do rate, review, and subscribe to the show so others can find it as well. If you'd like to financially support the podcast, you can do so by clicking on the link in the episode description. I appreciate your support. And as always, a huge shout out to everyone who currently contributes to the show, because your generosity is what makes this podcast possible. Until next time, have a great day. Mm